Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. If you want to maximize your growth, uh, we've talked about the importance of hiring great people, and we've talked about the importance of not only acquiring, but using the best technologies the best ways. But a more important, or I'd say even a higher priority over all of that is leadership. It's about you being a great leader. It's about you working for great leaders. And that is the focus of today's conversation. And I'm being joined by Rob Mayo. Uh, before I bring Rob onto the program, give you just a little bit of background, because Rob and I know each other extremely well. Rob joined me when Demand Jam was really just getting off the ground. He joined the company back in 2009. I started the company in 2007, and he was you know, part of that core uh, first 10 people in the organization, which really helped establish uh, the culture and the momentum for the business. He worked for us for almost six years, and I got to see Rob grow his expertise and also uh, his role as a leader, which we'll talk about within the organization, even though he didn't have a leadership title. After that, Rob went on to a company called Equinix, where he was there for about a year, and then he's been at Splunk ever since for a little over six years and has risen uh, to now become Senior Director of Marketing Operations over there. So we'll be a great session, and I think for those of you that are leaders, um, this would be a great chat about maybe upping your game and, and reinforcing some of the strengths or weaknesses you have yourself. And if you're one of those people that are in marketing or in your profession and wondering what does it take to be an effective leader or how to work with leadership, we're going to cover those topics as well. So without further ado, let's get Rob. Robert, good to see you. Hey, Dave. Great to see you as well. Thanks for having me on. I called him Robert that one time because he said only his mother and his brother uh, calls him Robert. And I, I feel like we're we're a little bit family. So I'm, Just about. I'm taking some liberty. Did you know that I officially rebranded myself on January 1st to David? So I only say David now. I did not know that. That's yeah. good to know. That I'm going to have to change your name in my yeah. phone book. It's a big thing. It was a big thing. I, I caused a lot of brand confusion my my whole adult life because I would say I'd introduce myself as Dave, but I would write David and it was in my signature and people were always asking me. And so uh, I decided to go with David. So I guess... Are you no longer Demand Gen Dave on the socials? Are you Demand Gen David no, or VDO I, David? I have not rebranded the socials. So there you go, Robert. Great, great topic. I'll make sure that I put that in my list of priorities to consider rebranding my social. <laughs> Your brand's at risk. <laughs> Completely useless conversation for all of you listening. So let's dive into something really more important. Rob, thanks for joining me. Um, if you guys didn't listen to the episode with Rob a couple of years ago, uh, we talked about how driven Rob is and how uh, I think the title of the episode was Driven to Success. We'll put a link to it. So if you like this one, you'll certainly get value out of the other one because, you know, one of the things I've always admired about you, Rob, and I think one of the reasons that you were so successful here at Demand Gen and now in the rest of your career is that you're never back on your heels. You're always trying to improve yourself and improve uh, your leadership skills, which has been a big focus for the last couple of years. Rob and I have stayed uh, in very close contact uh, you know, even though he left Demand Gen now almost seven years ago, uh, and I really enjoyed mentoring Rob and coaching Rob, and I've, I've received mentoring and coaching from Rob. So great, great, great relationship. Um, Rob, why did you want to talk about leadership? When I asked you what's the theme, what topic do you want to focus on, you that came, boom, to mind immediately. 
Um, yeah, I, I think I've found that uh, it's probably more my calling than anything else I've done yet in my career. I think I found myself a lot in leadership. Um, it's also just what I think about a lot. Um, you know, I'm tasked with being a uh, a good leader and, and leading now almost 20 people uh, towards a collective vision. And um, so I think about it a lot. I just spent a lot of time on the subject, trying to get better at it, learn as much as I can, speak to other leaders um, and, and hopefully get better each day. Nice. Well, you, um, you talked about being driven. Some of this you've learned through the School of Hard Knocks, but some of it you also started reading a book, one that you recommended to me, Drucker's book on uh, the effective executive. Yeah, um, great book. Uh, I was last summer, I was on paternity leave for four months. And um, for the first two months, I really just enjoyed not being in the workforce uh, for the first time since I was, you know, an adolescent um, and spending some time with my uh, my my new son. Um, and then after about two months, I realized, you know, I had a great opportunity there to 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 get better in my downtime uh, as a leader. And so I was trying to, I think I had read a lot about the leadership aspects like culture uh, and doing the right thing um, and, you know, kind of all of that, maybe the the softer intangible skills of leadership. Uh, but I hadn't really educated myself a lot or, or come across a lot of literature on, you know, how to actually lead an organization day to day. And what it came down to was how to be effective, how to, how to use my time most effectively. And um, so, yeah, I went searching for a book and I found the effective executive by, by Drucker. And, you know, of course he was probably the greatest management consultant of the 20th century. And he's written, you know, probably I think 60 plus books, but uh, I really studied this book for the first time, instead of just reading a book end to end, um, I had a plan for each chapter. I spent about a week on each chapter. Uh, at first, I would just listen to it. Uh, then I would listen to it and try to pick up some key things. Uh, then the third day, I would try to distill it. And then the fourth day, I would try to figure out how to apply it to, to what I'm doing. And I did that with every chapter in the book. And uh, when I came back to work in September, I was really a totally different person. Um, you wow. know, in, in terms of how I lead and, and how I go about things. So you took a long paternity leave, which was an awesome benefit of Splunk. Did people notice it? Did anyone comment? Or is that in your own head that you came back more effective? I think so. I think my my direct reports specifically, I, I think, realized the change immediately. Um, I spoke about it a lot. I said, hey, uh, I know I left and I operated kind of in this way. And when I get back, there's some things I'm going to change and they're going to be probably a little weird at first, um, just in sense of, you know, I was really shifting my persona, uh, but they understood where I was coming from, why I was doing it. And for the most part, I think we're excited. Um, so people definitely did notice the change uh, and it, it, it helped build some great momentum uh, for me personally, uh, and then within the org as well. What do you think was at least one or, or two of the things that, that was really intentional of yours that you changed? Um, so the first thing I did when I got back uh, was establish a weekly uh, metrics meeting with my team leads. Um, it was one of those things where working in operations, um, specifically in technology operations, our team was is not always day to day focused on the metrics that marketing teams use to measure themselves, things like pipeline and you know, MQLs and attainment and things like that. Um, 
you know, my team is really tasked with making sure that the marketing machine is always running and, and running well. Um, and so I realized that we were finding out about issues uh, and not being able, uh, too late and not being able to be proactive about things. And so that was the first thing I established was said, hey, here's, you know, 30 or 40 things I want to measure on a weekly basis and worked with my team to figure out which ones were easy to get to, which ones were not worth the effort. Um, in some cases, you know, I was asking for something and, and someone on the team a little closer to the that particular process would say, hey, I think you should measure it like this instead. So uh, that that weekly snapshotting started the second week or third week of September last year. And we've done it every week since. And it's been it's been huge for our team. It's brought me a lot closer to the business um, and understanding what's happening. Nice. Let's uh, let's go back in time. I, there's, you know, in terms of structure for today on the podcast, I would like to go back in time and talk about comments you made to me about some of the reasons you felt the need to leave DemandGen on your career pursuit. Uh, and, and the reason I want to focus on that for everybody tuning in is a lot of people have trouble going from being a team member to being a leader. They feel that they have to leave in order to rebrand themselves and establish them as a leader. And as you've probably learned and watched in your career, you've now been at Splunk for almost seven years, you've taken on more and more and more leadership skills. So I wanna go back and reflect, did you really need to um, you know, transplant yourself to a different environment in order to actually become a leader? I wanna share with you where I thought you already were leading and making a contribution to the organization. And then I wanna spend time about what it really does take as you were touching on to be an effective leader and how important it is because as someone who's you know, now, you, you know how there's guys like me who say I've been doing this for 25 plus years. It's only because we don't want to say it's like 30 plus years or 35 plus years, but it's, it's at least three decades, Rob. So I've, I've learned some good lessons about leadership and, and become more self-aware and I'll share some of those uh, today, but let's go back in time. Cause you said that to me, you're right. We, it was a, you know, by the way, I would hope that many of you listening can have the type of working relationship that Rob and I do, and certainly that Rob and Renault does. We'll talk about his leader and manager over there, uh, Renault. But Rob and I always had a very direct relationship and Rob's a very high performer. And when you have someone who's a high performer, you don't mind having very candid conversations because you want that person to achieve their best. And the only way that they can achieve their best sometimes is to really get what's inside their head and what they're doing. So before Rob even left, I think we talked a year before you left, and you were talking about your career path. And even though I was in support of you going client side and, and feeling like that would accelerate your career more, I felt that, you know, you were, uh, I'm not the biggest sports guy, but you know, it's like you, you were, uh, you know, a, um, what's the baseball league? Major league baseball. There you go. The MLB, you, you, <laughs> you could play the MLB, but you were, you were playing the little leagues back then. So I felt like it was time for you to be on a bigger field to play. Uh, which was, but remember that you said, and so our culture, you were a driver of our culture and that's leadership. Uh, when the team would get together, you played a very active role in creating an environment uh, of a work hard, play hard uh, culture. And, you know, you would, you were inspirational to a lot of people in terms of the knowledge you were rapidly learning about Eloqua and everything there was to learn about Eloqua. You were shocked, you know, as we performing Eloqua services, how much you knew 
versus our clients and our clients were much older and much more career experienced, even though Eloqua was still relatively new in the market. I saw you leading our clients down a path towards success. I saw you leading the team in terms of your technical uh, expertise. And it's no surprise to me now that you are senior director of marketing operations and technology, um, because that was always just right there in your, in your DNA to become the best and uh, a cultural leader. So even though you didn't have I'm a manager or a director or people underneath you, I always saw your leadership ability. And, and like I said, I felt the organization in terms of that period of growth, you know, was holding you back because even I think at the time you left, we were probably like, you know, 40 or 50 people. Splunk's how many employees now? 8,000. Yeah, 8,000. So you're just in a completely different field of play. Did Sharing this with you and giving you this feedback, uh, I see your head nodding. Do you reflect back and did you see these things about yourself back then or, or are you becoming more aware of uh, them now? Um, yeah, you may, you brought up, first of all, you brought up a lot of fond memories. It's nice to get nostalgic and kind of go back to that time. I, I think, I think I was a cultural leader at Demandgen and I think it was easy and came natural. I mean, I loved working at Demandgen. I loved our team. I loved what we stood for. I loved that we were pioneering the virtual workplace, which, you know, holy cow, you know, yeah. the last couple of years have really brought everybody into, into our world. Um, but I, I think, I think there were two things, uh, that really told me it was, it was time to go somewhere else. Um, so one was just the nature of being in a consulting role. Um, you rarely get to build deep, deep relationships with the companies you're working with. I mean, I think we did a great job of doing that and we had some engagements at multiple, multiple years and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you're not an employee of that company. You don't understand how to navigate that company, et cetera. And so you're in and out of a lot of clients. And I think I, I longed for just going deeper um, after five or six years of, I, when I left, I remember counting, I think it was 175 different Eloqua clients I worked with wow. over that time, Amazing. which was an incredible proving ground for my technical skills. Um, but I never had to deal with the long-term things in a corporation like politics, yeah. like securing budget for projects, like pitching things like that, or it was already done, right? I mean, I had an order on my table. I, I built it. By the way, I'm still one of the best Eloqua users out there. Um, I will go toe to toe uh, with anyone. Nice. Um, that might be a commentary on how little they've changed the platform over the years. <laughs> it could be. Maybe a, maybe a different podcast discussion. So, um, so one was I just felt I needed to go deeper. Uh, the other was, and, and I think this relates back to our conversation about what I did last summer was I, I was, it felt like I could not break the persona I had, uh, which was young guy, driven, uh, knows Eloqua really well, uh, cultural leader. And I felt like no matter what role I took on, it would be impossible to break the young guy, knows the technical stuff really well kind of persona. I mean, I joined DemandGen shortly before my 22nd birthday. So I, I was a kid, you know, I mean, and I think that, you talk about our candid relationship, right? I mean, we've got a lot of funny stories about how candid those got and, and probably so how out of line I was in certain areas uh, in how I spoke about the business and my contribution to it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful that I had a, a patient leader in yourself that saw more uh, than saw more than, than just, you know, maybe borderline uh, 
insubordinate commentary, but <laughs> I, I, I felt like I would, I would never break that kind of, no matter what role I took on, I, to, to everybody who was at demand gen, I would always be the same kind of young guy. Um, and so I, I needed to break that. And again, similar to what I did over the summer was, you know, it's hard to change how you're perceived over a weekend, but when you're gone for four months, you can, you can take that and you can do that and seize that opportunity. Um, and so that, that was important for me. I wanted to go deeper uh, and I wanted to just, I wanted to start fresh. Yeah. I wanted to be a new persona. In a so new for someone listening in and there's lots uh, and they're not a manager, what advice would you give to them if they want to become a manager and they're in their twenties? Do they need to leave? Do they, uh, you know, take your reflections back and, and, and share with some, some of your own advice, what you would do or how to assess so the, it. So, so every semester, I um, I do a guest lecture at Villanova, my alma mater, and uh, talk about marketing operations and digital marketing. Uh, but I also talk about working in a corporate environment, securing their first job, um, et cetera. And so one of the pieces of advice I always give them is to work in tech, just straight up. Um, I think that tech affords you the most opportunities for growth because when I joined Splunk, six and a half years ago, it was an 1800 person company. Now it's an 8,000 person company. So you're talking about almost 5X growth in people. We've had 5X growth or more in, in revenue. With that kind of growth, new teams appear, new roles are needed, et cetera. And so you always have this opportunity to pick up new stuff. Um, so I really believe you have, to, you have to seek out a growth company. If you're in a company that is not growing, not changing, not evolving, it's gonna take you longer to get to that opportunity. Um, once you're in an environment where that opportunity might be present, I would say the first thing to recognize is that leadership or management, and I don't want to conflate them because they're different, but leadership and management are a totally different skill set than being an individual contributor. Um, and there's not as much overlap as you would think, right? Yeah. It's a classic issue where say, hey, you're a great individual contributor. And I've talked about this on a couple of pods now. Uh, great individual contributor, go ahead and manage these other four individual contributors that look just like you. And like, you don't have the skill set to do that. And we all seem to know that, but we don't seem to be doing much about it in terms of education. So if you want that role, you have to recognize that it's a completely different skill set and you need to work on those things. Um, and what I've realized is that in my opinion, the higher you go in the organization, the less tolerance there is for learning on the job. So I think if you're going to become the manager of one or two people, you can kind of figure that out on the job with maybe a little bit of education. I mean, obviously, the more education you do for yourself, the better off you'll be. But um, there's kind of no excuse when you once you get to the director, senior director level, it's yeah. like you should know how to lead teams of people, set a vision, motivate them, all that kind of stuff. And you, you have to learn about that. You have to read. You have to talk to other leaders. You have to consume as much content as you can on the subject just like anything else. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple either people or examples of leadership where it's gone well and maybe it hasn't gone well because I want to contrast that. I I I've had many people tell me I I would say probably the number one reason that people leave in my experience doing this for now 30 plus years is the relationship that they have with their manager. Um, it's not so much the organization or even their compensation, although we've seen, you know, people move for compensation, but it's it's the manager. And, you know, we all haven't had perfect experiences. What's bad management look like? 
Um, I, well, or I bad think, leadership, I should say. I, I think we know that it's all based on trust. Um, so you have to create a high trust environment uh, where you really care, like the leader actually cares about the people um, that are in their team. So I, I think if you don't have, and this is not a novel idea, again, books are written on this. If you don't have trust, like you don't really have anything else. So I would say it usually starts, that's usually where it starts to go bad. Um, that might manifest itself in micromanagement, uh, which a lot of us have experienced. Um, it could manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but yeah. you need to start. First. If you don't have that, you have nothing. Let's uh, let's drill into that because, you know, if you guys are looking for books on leadership uh, and I'm going to do a course on this, Rob, I think it's great, by the way, you're still doing stuff with Villanova. That's awesome. Not surprising, by the way, because you've always leaned in there and as well as being a big brother. Uh the five levels of leadership. Uh, Jim Collins has written about it. John Maxwell has written about it. I shared with my leadership team at a recent offsite. I, I spent about a good half hour on the five levels of leadership. Uh, and what you just hit on is that difference between level one and level two. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to do a course and I'll, I'll probably bring it online for Man Gen TV and do it because I think it's such a, a great session. And so level one leadership is what they call the position leadership. You are um, you have a title, so you're now in a position and you're that person's leader. But at that level, you will get the least amount of productivity and effectiveness and output from that individual because there is no relationship was the word that you use. So when you move to the next level, uh, where you is the permission level, the difference between those is now there is there's a respect respect. There's a relationship. Um, between those those two people. And caring is the fastest way to get there. And uh, it's something that comes instinctively to me. I don't know where it comes from. I'll give credit to my my mom and dad and my family upbringing that, you know, they cared a lot about me and showed me what ca genuine caring really looks like. And I've just always, especially I think being an entrepreneur starting the business, I always felt honored that all of you came and worked at my corporation uh, because you could work pretty much anywhere else, especially for someone like yourself with the skills that you had at that time and still still a master craftsman, sounds like with Eloqua. So I felt honored and I, I needed to care about you. Um, Nova, who you know very well, uh, she um, is out on maternity leave and she just celebrated uh, a couple days ago her 10-year anniversary. And so I I reached out to her to, to celebrate that with her and, and honor that with her. And you know, when I see that on my calendar, that date, that it's Nova's tenure, I remembered her saying at three years, which is great when you have this kind of relationship with a team member, she's like, it's a great honor to get my three-year award, which was a rock, by the way. Remember that? Like it was a you rock, rock uh, <laughs> statue. And she goes, I can't wait for my tenure. And then fast forward seven years and she's celebrating her tenure here at BDO Digital now as, as part of them. So I... Uh, I, you you hit the nail on the head that if you want to actually be at least a leader beyond title, you have to care about the people and develop a relationship with them. Now, work is not a friend factory. And I think a lot of people have trouble with what kind of relationship can you have. And you look at our relationship. Uh, we've had a employee relationship for you know six years almost of your career. And then with your work at your former company before Splunk and now at Splunk, you've been a client. And I think I told you recently that 
how much I don't like that challenge of having a client relationship and having a personal relationship um, when it gets to that point where I'm so close with that person um, that that, you know, there's just difficult conversations that you have to have and you have to be able to turn it off. I worked with my wife, as you know, I worked with Tiffany for, you know, 15 years and I needed to be husband, but I also was partner. And so if there were things at work and then we would get home, I had to turn that off. So I don't miss that part of it, but you know, you, you talked about, you know, you didn't say the examples, but you talked about some conversations that we had, you know, early on. And how do you think caring for someone, developing a relationship for someone works like the relationship you have with Renault, but still being able to hold hold ourselves accountable and have radical candor conversations uh, when either performance is an issue or just whatever challenging conversation you need to have. Because that's that I think is the most difficult part is, is having a really close caring relationship, but also having to have those difficult conversations. Yeah, it's, it's super hard. Um, and I've gone through this because I think when I became a leader, um, I really was uh, trying to be the leader that was everyone's friend um, because I do, I do care about folks and I am, I am genuinely interested in what's going on in people's lives and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think having the ability to turn it on and off, like you referenced is really important. Um, I've always naturally been able, I think, to be candid with folks. I think when I was younger, it was fueled by, you know, in our early days, I think it was fueled by a lot of self-confidence and probably a bit of you know braggadocio you know and and just well, you are really... from long island i mean and so yeah, i just so... wasn't scared right <laughs> i was gonna tell you how i felt and you fired me i felt like i didn't really care because i i had had a job since i was 12 right so by that point in my career i was like i'm not just entering the workforce i'm not nervous here i'm pretty confident that if i don't work here i'll i'll eat there's no problem there um as you, as you mature, I think, and you know, you don't want to tie it to age because I think everyone matures at different rates, but as you mature, I think you can start to look at it as, you know, um, just simply being in different personas. So for me, I I have literally said to people on my team, like, okay, like I'm going to put my mentoring hat on now and I'm going to tell you, um, what I think about this situation, or I'm going to put my, manager hat on and be very explicit with you about what went wrong and what needs to happen next time. Um, I think that's hard for certain folks on the other end to switch, to hear Rob the friend, to Rob the manager, to Rob the mentor. But I will actually just explicitly say it. Like, hey, I'm going to change my tone and my persona right now because we have to talk about this thing. And mm-hmm. we're professionals, right? And and this is business. So if I say that, hey, you did, um, you know, you handle this particular case in a way that I don't agree with, and I think is hindering your career. And I'm going to tell you how I think you should move forward. Well, it's up to you to take that advice and do the right thing with it. Yeah. But it, but it's my responsibility to tell you that. Yeah. Um, and when people, a lot of people say they want coaching. But like coaching is not always positive, right? Coaching right. is typically, I mean, you look at sports coaching, it's like, hey, you you messed that up, right? I love I love talking to people who played 
sports at a high level. Um, a good friend of mine played football in college and he talks about all the time how when you're on the field and you mess something up, your first thought is like, I know that's coming out in a tape session, <laughs> right? So you're going to be sitting in the, in the film room and the tape's going to be up and you're like, gosh, this is the play. And then the coach is going to pause it right on you making the mistake, right? But if you want to be great, you need to welcome that, yeah. right? You, you need to be open to that. So I try to explain that to people and be very cut and dry with that bit of it. It's like, hey, if you, if you, want, if you tell me that you want to get better, that you want to get to the next level, I think especially, you know, when I wanted to become a director, I remember going to Renault and saying, Renault, I, I want to get to the director level at some point, you know, how long, what do you think I need to do, et cetera. He's very candid. He's like, no one at my level knows who you are. Like they, they don't know how you contribute to their success. So like if your name came up for promotion, I, I can't say that you'd have much support. Yeah. You know, just, just for the fact that no one really knows who you are. Um, that's what I needed to hear because then I, I thought to myself, okay, how do I conduct myself in a different way? Get visibility for what I'm doing, build those relationships. Um, but if I just shied away from that and so, you know, Renault doesn't like me, guess where I'd be sitting. I'd be sitting at senior manager, you yeah. know, probably would have left because I thought it was the company. So <laughs> I try to be really particular with what, which Rob you're hearing from mm -hmm. right now and, and being clear on that, uh, and always being candid. I've had people that left because I mean, I've had very low attrition, but I've had people that left because they didn't want to hear the feedback I was giving them. Yeah. And I was very clear with them. Like, I think you're going to run into this issue again mm -hmm. after your six month honeymoon is over at the next company. And I don't wish that upon them. I want them to change and I want them to change while here, but not everybody yeah. wants to hear it. And I think it's just a level of maturity of, of being open to that. So to kind of, kind of bookend these thoughts, uh, I would say in terms of, do you need to go somewhere else? That may be, uh, very subjective decision depending on the environment and how long someone has been. I don't think you have to go to another organization to go from staff to manager, not at all. Uh, but I think you need to be intentional about it and you need to have conversations about it as we did. And if the right path is for someone to go into a different group, department or organization, so be it. But have the conversation with your manager. And one of the things that you know I really uh, admire about Renault was that very succinct feedback, which is, Hey, Rob, nobody knows you. And I remember, I think it was the San Jose uh, meeting. There was a huge all hands uh, that was happening, or at least it was sales and marketing. And you put yourself out there to lead one of the presentations and start providing, you know, information and knowledge and, and personally branding yourself. And that led mm -hmm. you on that path. And people have to get out of their comfort zone to do that because if the, if the management or senior management doesn't know who you are as an organization, like I just got an email today that says, you know, all of the compensation adjustments that we submitted and promotions have been approved. So you're finding out about this before everyone else. Um, <laughs> so that communication will happen very soon. Uh, and it's great to see, you know, BDO and BDO Digital's, um, you know, support for people's growth. And, and I can tell you what helped in terms of any justification was management's knowledge of those team members. If that was just a name, and we were asking someone for a 10 or 20% increase or, a, you know, a promotion of either a level or even two levels. And they're an unknown, even to HR, um, it makes the job harder. So if you want to advance your career, have candid conversations as Rob did with your manager, find out what it takes, what it looks like, uh, and then do it, get it done. You know, uh, that, that's it.
Let's talk about now effective leadership. I talked about the five levels of leadership, Rob, but you um, you share with me recently about a situation where you kind of dove into one of the systems that the team was using uh, and, and needed to kind of course correct some of the things that were happening there. And that triggered for me, uh, you know, the, the expression I've used is you, you have to lie to be a leader. And people are like, huh? Um, it's just an acronym, folks. No, don't lie. Um, but it's an acronym that's, that um, I've put together. I, I don't know where I got it from, Rob, so I wish I could quote a source. But I think it's a David Lewis methodology of leadership. So we'll just give me credit. But if it's out there, um, whatever. L is for lead by example. You got to lead by example. You know, you talk about your eloquent chops. Uh, I definitely don't have those chops anymore. But when I launched the business, I could go toe to toe with anyone in the organization on what you could and should do in Eloqua. And so from a technical perspective, if I was advising the team to develop methodologies around lead scoring and lead nurturing or programmatic workflows or data programs, I could build those programs and knew how they worked. And so that was really helpful. And you look at someone like Elon Musk and how hands-on Elon is with so many different aspects of his multiple different businesses. He has respect from the team because he leads by uh, example. The I is for inspect what you expect. Uh, and before I, more important is the E, which is setting clear expectations. So lie is an easy way to remember it. I kind of use it in uh, the opposite direction when I talk to people. So is you want to be an effective leader, set clear expectations. And then after you set those clear expectations, don't wait to the end. Inspect what you expect along the process. And then the L, which is lead by example. So if you're a member of that team that's working on this big, hairy, audacious goal, participate and show what good work and good contribution uh, looks like. And and lead by example can stand really on its own in any situation because, you know, if you're a, if you're a horrible person and you don't care about anyone and that's how you lead, guess what you're going to attract uh, in the organization? Because we 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 don't attract what we want. We attract who we are. Um, and I, I always like to say, too, and I think Maxwell quoted this is is that leadership is a verb. It's not a noun. It's an action. It's something that you have to take action on and be intentional. So um, you remember the story you were telling me about about how you felt the team dive into that because I think it's a great example where you know you got to get your hands dirty as a leader sometimes and inspect what you expect to get to the kind of performance you're looking for yeah and and I think before I dive into the story I just want to you know I, I really agree with those principles one that I talk about a lot is attitude reflects leadership people on the team will come to me and say you know man I, I worked with such and such and gosh the the attitude is just so bad etc and I'll just say yeah look up and down the chain of that organization and and you'll see exactly why um, attitude reflects leadership and I think that's why you talk about Renault, he set up such an incredible culture in our marketing ops team. And we've gone from non-existent to 50 people yeah. in the last, uh, you know, five years. And it's all in the model of, of, of really what we believe in as leaders. And a lot of it comes from him just yeah. about doing the right thing. Um, he's very present. You see him working hard, et cetera. So um, attitude reflects leadership. I think that's true hundred percent. In this particular case, I think something I always struggled I didn't realize I struggled with, but something that I realize now that I, it was an issue for me was being very, very clear on expectations. Mm -hmm. um, I made the assumption that folks think like me. And so, uh, you know, they know what my expectations are. Um, you also sometimes shy away when you know that you're a, 
a hard worker, a really driven person, and not everybody is like that. I think sometimes you shy away from saying, hey, be like me, because not everyone's like me. And I, I, I get that. But what you need to be clear on is expectations. What do I expect? How do I expect us to conduct ourselves, et cetera? Um, and so I had a case recently where, uh, you know, a, a direct report of mine um, was, you know, our team was kind of underwater a little bit and, and you know, just seemed like there was a lot of noise and I'm mm -hmm. fairly hands off. And so I just try to address, Hey, what do you need? How can I help you? Do you need more resources? Do I need to push back on certain other stakeholders, et cetera? Um, and so this came up a couple of times. And, and so I finally said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and see what's going on. And, and so when I jumped in, I just realized that there was a lot of small things not taking place, like uh, in the way we were handling support cases. I mean, talking about small things, moving them from one stage to another, putting your notes in the case, uh, being clear with the stakeholder, who was working on it, when, why, how, what the considerations were, when they could expect an update, those things weren't happening. And so one missed update can turn into a couple of escalations, right? Yeah. And now it's going through multiple levels of folks to try to understand what's going on. Whereas if that person on the front uh, can can just you know follow the the prescribed method of handling that stuff, a lot of the extra communication and stress just wouldn't happen. And so I made the assumption, hey, doesn't everyone understand this? You know, you move a case from here to here and you tell them you're working on it. And what I found out is no, not everybody understands that because I never explicitly stated it. Um, and so for the last month, I've been in there. I said, okay, I'm taking over the queue. Anything Eloqua related, um, I will now own. And my team pushed back big time. They were like, you don't have time for that. Uh, you haven't done this in a long time. You know, does your login even still work? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to handle it. And it's kind of fun getting back to, you know, the tactical stuff and getting in there. And that's why I joked before that I'm still one of the best Alco users there is because I proved that to myself over the last month. Um, but had to be super explicit. And then I, I think the freedom of that is once you're super explicit with your expectations and you start ins inspecting what you expect, well, now again, you can have a candid conversation of, I was very clear to state that you should do X when this happens. And in the three times in the last week that's happened, you haven't done X. So yeah. do you either not understand what I've told you or do you, are you refusing to do it? Totally different conversation, but also totally different tone, right? I'm used to being a hands-off, I trust my team, they'll handle it, take care of the team and they take care of the mission. But it turns out that that's not always the case. And as the org gets bigger, I think it's just a numbers game. You're going to have more people that need to be explicitly told or simply don't want to do the work the way you expect it, right? And that's a totally different conversation. So yeah. um, it was a wake-up call. People are not mind readers. And and high performers, even medium performers, they want to do good work. There's no one who wakes up in the morning like, going to work today, I'm just going to F things up. You know, I'm just going to just, you know, pull out my lazy bone and, uh, you know, be beat that on the table all day and not do anything. People want to make a contribution. And if you don't make it clear for them what that success looks like, they they don't really have a path to success, especially if you are very specific about what the outcome looks like. And there are people who are very literal and very specific uh, and the clearer you can be with those people, the more you're going to set them up with success. Um, you know, I've been working on the, the D3 methodology now for a couple of years, and I've been meeting with team and now interviewing people to really take that to the next level. We want to start talking to like Harvard Business School and, and see what we can do around the methodology. 
um, to make it an academic methodology so that marketers going through school and modern marketers can can learn this. And so just saying that, so like, wow, Dave's got some big, hairy, audacious goals. Is he trying to do that tomorrow? Uh, what are the steps that need to happen for that? So if I say to my team, the goal of the D3 methodology is to be the methodology for modern marketing. That's a big, hairy, audacious goal. What does that look like? And so in the last you know meeting that we had, I really explained both through stories and specifics what that would look like and how long it would take uh, to do that. It's a 10 to 15 year mission. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but what are the steps that we need to take now uh, to get there? Well, enjoy the chat as always, Rob. This is a topic, you know, I, we can never talk too much about. I'm going to do that session. I think I'll bring it to all of you guys on Demand Gen TV, the five levels of leadership, uh, which came from John Maxwell and Jim Collins. But I'm really proud of you, Rob. And, and you know, we the thing that was captured really in the last episode that we did is how driven you are, uh, that you never have your heels on the ground. You've got a whole bunch of books back there. They look like nonfiction books. Uh, are any of them fiction books or are those all nonfiction business books? There's a couple of fictional books, but they're just like antiques that I've collected. Um, is my book on that shelf, Rob? It is. Wow. Uh, Okay. Not only is manufacturing demand in this bottom row, uh, but there's a copy you probably might, you might not even remember doing this. There's a copy of digital body language uh, up there from my first year of working at Dimension. Yeah. And you wrote a note, you wrote a note in the inside cover uh, stating that you were excited uh, to see me write the next chapters of, of this story. Awesome. Um, and I hold on to that forever. Um, and I think that's the last thing I'll comment on leadership is you have to encourage. Sometimes people don't see what you see in them. Um, and I, I just find so much value in pointing out that pointing that out to someone and then watching them start to believe it, uh, and get after it because you can change someone's life that goes beyond work. I, I literally, uh, we had a demand gen offsite, this one where I talked about leadership and I pulled Ryan and Shauna aside and I said to them first started off with, and it wasn't the crap sandwich, you know, it wasn't that I'm going to say something good and then tell them something bad and then tell them something good again. I don't like the crap sandwich. It was, you're really valued to me and to the organization. And I talked for a a while with them about why I value them so much. And then the butt sound was, if you felt in that management meeting that I'm driving you very, very hard, uh, it is because you are capable. And it's, it's my confidence in them and what I know they can do for the organization. And no organization is ever okay with yesterday. We've got to take things to that next level. And so we have to push our teams. And if you said it early on, you know, if you care and you have trust, um, that's when you can, you can push the team. Well, buddy, thank you for a great conversation. I'm sure some people had a lot of thought, uh, thoughts going through it. If you want to reach out to Rob, uh, jump on LinkedIn and, and search for Rob Mayo. I'm always here for, to support you guys, mentor coaching. If you guys like the idea about me doing a session on the five levels of leadership, let me know. Cause there's a lot of great content that we can always cover here. Enjoy doing it. But thanks Rob, stick around, um, to all of you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope summer is going well. Hope you had a great 4th of July for some of you that happened way in the past, but for me, it was just this past weekend. Uh, and it was a great time to spend time with friends and family. I feel you guys are my extended friends and network, and I always appreciate you 
uh, joining us here on the channel. If you haven't already subscribed, maybe you just found us, uh, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can find new episodes, which we make every week for you guys. All right, that's going to do it. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 